You're listening to episode 42 of The Urban Yogi with Doug McCulley. I'm your host, Will Blunderfield. I'm a psych major, a kundalini yoga teacher, spin instructor, recording artist, and a mindfulness-based stress reduction teacher in training. Join me in this free-flowing conversation, exploring what it means to live with balance in the 21st century. Douglas McCulley works as a conductor, composer, arranger, educator, and producer. He was my band teacher throughout high school, and I learned so much about professionalism, music, and discipline from him. He has composed for a wide variety of genre, including band, orchestra, film, and dozens of theatrical scores, a recipient of the Jesse Richardson Award for Outstanding Theatrical Composition. He is an independent record producer, music consultant for the film and television industry, and has worked as music director for CBC Television and Radio, the Pacific Music Industry Association, the Canby Street Brass Band, the Vancouver Community College Wind Ensemble, Theatre Under the Stars, and the Vancouver Firefighters Band. Most notably, he is the co-founder and artistic and managing director of Conbrio Festivals, where since 2000, he has produced the respected Whistler Music Festival and Sun Peaks Music Festival. As a volunteer, Doug has taught instrumental music and band to visually impaired youth in a program he founded for the CNIB and volunteers as a board member and consultant with a variety of music and arts organizations. Currently, he is in demand as an adjudicator and clinician at music festivals throughout Canada and the U.S., most recently for the Pearl City Band Festival in Hawaii, the North Vancouver Schools Band and Strings Festival, as conductor of the Southeastern United States High School Honor Band and Middle School Honor Band, and a guest conductor last season for the Pacific Symphonic Wind Ensemble and the Troy State Alabama University Symphonic Band. Doug continues to support local artists, serving as executive producer for Malcolm Aiken's debut CD, Paper Star, as associate producer for Robert Buckley's new album, Wind Band Works Continuum, and is a co-founder and producer of the Marcus Mosley Chorale. In his own community, Doug was instrumental in the creation of the unique and visionary Community Music Hall, a dedicated large ensemble rehearsal space within the new West Vancouver Community Centre. The facility provides space to many community music ensembles and is home to the West Vancouver Youth Band, for which Doug has been principal conductor and program director since 1993. During that time, the West Van Youth Band has grown from 39 musicians in three ensembles to nearly 200 in five ensembles. I hope you enjoy my interview with Mr. Douglas McCulley. Doug was my band teacher when I was in grade seven. And uh, so we've known each other for many, many years. Um, what, what projects are you working on? You're saying you're working with the Wolf Nation? Not a... the Wolf Nation. It's, no. a, it's the... Uh, the Squamish Nation. One of the, the results of this this uh, uh, discussion with the Ministry of Education and, and this push for First Nations content, I, I had to admit that I got quite frustrated uh, in uh, those meetings because I'm I'm not very good with bureaucracy. I'm I'm yeah. kind of used to just doing things, doing not yeah. sitting around talking about maybe doing things one day, <laughs> perhaps, possibly. Right. And uh, and so having been in the meetings and, and a lot of good intentions, but an awful lot of talk that didn't seem to be going to result in any right. tangible Action. outcomes and actions. 
And I found it quite frustrating. I also found it quite depressing because it, it really became kind of a, a, a realization of why things are changing so slowly. Mm. I mean, uh, to the point where it seems like not changing at all for First Nations people. Uh-huh. And the, because there is so much talk about it in a, in a very parochial kind of um, hmm, parent-child kind of way, you know, like when mm-hmm. adults make decisions about what is best for kids in education or something without mm-hmm. the kids' input. Were there uh, any First it, Nations people at the meeting? Uh, yes, uh, there was a, a couple of different people who came mm-hmm. through, and, and so there was, but again, there was lots of Good intentions, mm-hmm. good ideas, mm-hmm. but the path to action was was not there, and it's this, this. Uh, That's something I wanted to ask you about because you're very, very motivated human. Like you're always like, even if I see you randomly on the street, I'll notice that you're actually thinking of songs. I can tell you're like thinking <laughs> so, of, so, of songs. Yeah. Um, so, so how? Because I think a lot of people yeah, have good intentions, but they don't have the willpower to actually go through with the action that it takes and the good daily habits that it takes to consistently deliver. And you do. You're one of the Not few consistently. I do pretty well. You do. I, <laughs> I do my I best. Do awesome. <laughs> but in this particular situation, it became as simple as uh, uh, creating collaboration. That was with the Squamish Nation, which is the nice. local First Nation here on was the that North your Shore. Idea? I'm sorry. Was that your idea? Yes. Yeah. Nice. Because the and it came out of the frustration I felt in these meetings. I was so uh, frustrated. I felt I was compelled to create a tangible outcome. I thought mm-hmm. it just can't be that hard. Yeah. It just can't be that hard. And, and my concern was in the meetings was that, yes, we want to have First Nations content in music education, but where is it going to come from? We can't, yeah. as people did in the past, just go take things mm-hmm. and, you know, permissions need to be sought and granted, copyrights cleared, uh, right. uh, publishing rights, uh, arrangements written, and, um, and yeah. again, no path. So uh, I called up Bob Baker, who's an elder with the Squamish Nation and a cultural advisor, and said, I have this idea. Can you can you help me? Mm-hmm. And yeah, was the answer. He thought it was a great idea, and, and we worked together on different things over the years. Nice. And um, so, uh, it turned out that uh, the first piece of music that we did, he granted us uh, uh, the Gathering of Eagles, which is a song that uh, he received from the ancestors. Wow. And um, and he gave us quite a number of recordings of different things for to choose from. Yeah. And, and that was the selection. And then I approached Robert Buckley. Uh, Robert Buckley is, I'm going to call him Robert for these purposes because there's uh, Bob Baker and Bob Buckley, and it gets right. very confusing. We <laughs> call them the Bobs. The Bobs. <laughs> and, uh, but uh, Robert Buckley is a noted Canadian composer. He wrote a lot of the music for the opening ceremonies of the 2010 Games. Cool. He wrote all the orchestrations for Bublé's Christmas album. He's written nice. for so many artists, major artists. But he's a lifelong bandsman. Hmm. And a clarinetist and saxophonist. He's a Juno Award-winning nice. songwriter and stuff from the 60s and 70s. And, uh, but band has always been his thing. And I started commissioning works from him a number of years ago for my youth band program. Nice. And, uh, and he is, at this point, the most published Canadian composer of wind band music in history. Wow. And most of that was commissioned by my group. And so, anyways, my cool. first call usually is to Bob Robert. And I said, I have this idea. Bob Baker is in. What do you think? And he loved the idea. Mm. So we sat through and listened to all the recordings. And definitely Gathering of Eagles was the one we wanted to do. So Robert Buckley realized it for full symphonic band. Wow. 
And, uh, and then we uh, worked with the Eagle Song drummers and dancers of the Squamish Nation who perform this song regularly to perform it together. Cool. They came into our rehearsals. Uh, we worked on it together. We figured out how to make our very tangible music uh, intersect and interweave with uh, uh, their uh, oral tradition of the song. Like singing, drums, dance. Singing, drums, dance. And the thing was that <laughs> the pitch was amazing. I mean, really? uh, um, at one point, Robert Buckley said, uh, you know, maybe, maybe we need to have an opening chord or flourish just to establish the key. And I said, Bob Baker's no, never sung it in anything but the right key wow. ever. And I just turned to Bob and said, Bob, go ahead. Bang, right on pitch. Wow. Right on pitch. And, and uh, it doesn't have a, a, a trained musical background. It just Just exists. from his heart. And it's the same thing as, as he also doesn't have any training as a teacher. And yet I think he's one of the wisest and most extraordinary teachers I've mm. met in my life. Because mm. it all comes from a place of incredible generosity. How did you meet him initially? Um, Bob does a lot of work with the schools as a, as a in cultural outreach and as an advisor. He also does a lot of work in, nice. on, in communities on the North Shore with the, cool. the governments oh, nice. for official events and things. And, uh, and I also have my music festivals that I produce mm-hmm. in Whistler and, and places, and I've had him up to perform at those That's with sweet. the Eagle Song drummers and dancers. And he's quite, uh, he's quite extraordinary. Nice. So he was in, and, uh, and we did the piece, and we thought, well, this is going to be great. And we did the world premiere, and then it was published. And published by Hal Leonard, biggest wow. publisher in the world. And it's yeah. one of the biggest selling pieces for uh, wind band, school-age wind band That's in awesome. the world. Wow. It's, uh, so it's had a, a real impact, a massive Fantastic. impact. Uh, because there is this huge, like I'm sorry, there's probably not much like it on the market. Well, no, you know, because it's authentic. It's not some Hollywood version of what right. uh, uh, a first station song would be. It's not land of the silver birch, you know, it's, it's from, uh, uh, a respected <laughs> traditional authentic source. Yeah. And, um, and Bob Baker is listed as the composer. Nice. And Robert Buckley insisted he would only be listed as, uh, uh, I think, reimagined for symphonic band cool. by Robert Buckley. That's cool. And um, so it was, it was amazing. And probably the best part was the interactions in rehearsal between mm. uh, uh, the two peoples yes. who became one yeah. people. Because well, apparently the, the first Canadian flag was an infinity symbol. Oh, interesting. Like, yeah, and it was symbolizing like um, the, the First Nations and then the French coming right. together so it was like the first 150 years before the maple leaf wow. it was just a red flag with a white infinity symbol huh. so kind of like similar like seeing the band kids meeting the uh meeting the squamish nation right. um you know coming together and, and creating something new well the it, it what was most interesting was the way of thinking and and i mean i had so many incredible realizations through this process if you're my generation Somewhat for your generation, luckily less and less for today's high school kids. You know, I grew up with a place in my mind where First Nations people fit. Nice. It wasn't a good place. Oh, it wasn't like, oh, okay. No, <laughs> it was not what we were taught. Right. We were not taught the, way, the, the power of their way of thinking. Mm. And boy, did it, was it highlighted in the rehearsal hall. Um, you know, Bob Baker is such a, a kind and sweet man, but he, he also is a, a truth sayer. Mm-hmm. He does not 
and sugarcoat it. No, no. And uh, the uh, after he performed the piece for the musicians of the band, and then we performed the realization of it back for him. I mean, he was so moved, and he came up to answer questions. Mm-hmm. Now, these are kids from you know a variety of backgrounds now, and uh, uh, but you know. Canadian kids, typical Canadian high school kids. Yeah. One of the boys asked, um, uh, uh, so how did you come to write this song? And Bob Baker said, I didn't, reset, I didn't write this song. I received it from the ancestors. Mm-hmm. I was on a long journey and the song came to me. I think it was given back to me by the ancestors mm-hmm. because there are no new songs, but sometimes songs are given back at a time when they're needed. Hmm. And that was quite a number of years ago that he received this song. And and it was clear that this was not him. He's not acting. This right. is what he truly believes. He, he really believes this. And it was quite powerful. And, of course, Western thinking, uh, the follow-up question was, so you don't own the song? And the answer was brilliant. Uh, Bob said, well, no, you can no more own a song than you can own the land or the water. These were our traditional beliefs. Right. Of course, much of that had to change when your ancestors came. Yeah. But we've hung on to our songs. That's mm. why we don't like them to be written down, because we don't want them to be taken from us. Right. But we made an exception for you, because mm. you were clearly people of good heart. Mm. Wow. Well, I could teach all year and not, not create a lesson as powerful as that moment that wow. came from Bob Baker. This is what I mean about him being... This natural, gifted yeah. teacher and so generous. Yeah. And uh, we played, performed the world premiere at the uh, uh, Joe Mati- Chief Joe Matthias Center on the Squamish Nation. Nice. But even leading up to that, there were these lessons that came, came along, you know, where this stuff is placed in our mind, my generation and older uh, particularly. For example, the first draft of the poster being done by one of our uh, band parents who's uh, a very gifted artist, yeah. but the first draft had uh, uh, us, me and my group in the center with Bob Baker kind of off to the side and the listing was the WVIB Symphonic Band with Espacos Slalom, the Eagle Song Drummers and Dancers uh, underneath and I looked at it and I went, no, what's wrong with this? This is wrong. Yeah. And I suddenly clicked and I went, no. We are not in the center. In fact, we should not be there at all. Let's mm-hmm. highlight the Eagle Song Drummers and Dancers, and it should be them with us. Reverse right. this, please. Right. And, uh, and it just became the mantra for us going into this is First Nations first. I like that. Because it was just, it wasn't anything conscious or a conscious effort at all to, be, uh, to, to, to make these people less than. It's just how we were raised. Right. And so it had to be undone. And it had to be undone throughout the whole process. Right. We reserved the, the front rows for the Squamish elders, front rows of the concert. It was, this was their music and yeah. that we were performing in their nice. home. Nice. And therefore, we came second. Yeah, I like and that. They performed in front of us. Yeah. And, and all of this had to be thought out. And, and, and all of my education had to be undone. Mm-hmm. And it didn't take much to undo it. And I can tell you the, 
the young people that uh, in the ensemble that got to experience this, none of them will ever think less of First Nations people because of this experience. It's, it's first they experience, will yeah. really understand what extraordinary people these are and the way of thinking. Mm-hmm. You know, I asked the group at one point in rehearsal uh, because we were doing another piece called Peace Dancer based on mm-hmm. uh, uh, an artwork. And the premise of this piece is the story of the peace dancer, uh, and in particular, a singular line, which was, um, we have failed. We have not taught our children proper love and respect. And we had a discussion about that in rehearsal. And I I asked the group, and this is 94 teenagers Mm. in the room, and I asked, do you think that when the first Europeans came and settled here, if rather than approaching the First Nations people with this idea that they needed to fix them, to educate them, if they'd stood back and listened and treated them with love and respect and maybe learned from them, do you think the situation would be different? What an amazing discussion. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it, of course, First Nations Live would be immediately Argument. better. Yeah. today if that had been the, the tact but it didn't take long at all for uh, because of this generation being so concerned about the mess uh, that everybody's made of the environment over mm. the preceding hundreds of years mm-hmm. it did not take them long to connect the dots and say well our lives would be better mm. listen to the lessons we've learned, listen to the way the people we've met think about the world and mm-hmm. think about the ownership of a song, right. our lives would have been better. Right. So it's, the, the, it's not just about, and this is what we came to from this project, it's, it's not just about acknowledgement. It's about listening and realizing that there are incredible lessons to be learned that we missed. Yeah. We and missed. even in like the, the, um, the, 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 the white Caucasian, you know, line of things like, in ancient Greece, apparently, they believed something similar, like an artist was just the channel for the muse, and the muse would show up or not, yeah. uh, and they, you would channel your muse into your art. That's not a belief. That's just how it is. That's how it is. <laughs> yeah, that's how it is. We know that. That's how it is. So it's, yeah, I, sometimes I wonder, yeah, what, like, what happened with our society, like with this whole colonialist um, money. project? It became sort of a predatory money. capitalism thing. It's just money. It's money. Money, money, money ruins everything. Yeah. It's, uh, you know, it's nice to have money. It's nice to have things. Mm-hmm. But when that becomes the priority, and when we look at uh, society today, the, the, the uh, unbelievably unnecessary, revolting uh, uh, um, pursuit of money. I mean, what do you do if you have a billion dollars? Mm-hmm. What, uh, you couldn't spend it in a lifetime if you tried. Mm-hmm. What is the purpose? I mean, yeah. it's nice to be comfortable. It's nice to have enough money in a nice house. Yeah. But, but to make that your main goal. How much do you need? The pursuit of, the relentless pursuit of more. Yeah. And a lot of it is because of advertising and everything else. But I feel like this generation is, is pulling the curtain and realizing that the Wizard of Oz is it's not know, what we were. Not doing. in the bank yeah. machine. Right. You know, it's. Uh, yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm seeing a shift and seeing uh, a, a difference in the way of thinking that I think is healthy. Mm. And I think 
would be made much more healthy if we pursued more learning from First Nations. Last summer, I was lecturing in music education at UBC, mm-hmm. and one of the things I brought up to the students, the students who will one day become teachers, mm-hmm. is this concept, this, this, this concept that existed for a long time of tolerance, which is a concept I, I really dislike. I, oh, I, right. I don't... I think it's a dreadful word. Even and I, like tolerance of like gay people. I remember just, that. Yeah, tolerance of tolerance. Yeah, tolerance, tolerance was the, the thing. Yeah. yeah, and and I said to uh, one of the, the students in the front row, I said, "So let me put it this way: If I came to you and said, I'm willing to tolerate you, does that seem kind? That love? Yeah, does that, that seem kind. like something you'd want to pursue? A relationship that you'd consider useful in your life? And and the look on her face was shocked, and I said, yeah. "I said it's not tolerant. It must be acceptance, and it must be acceptance yeah. as a." And my what I was discussing was, as a teacher, you have to leave your biases at the door, and you have <coughs> to be able to approach every child with acceptance, acceptance yeah. of their differences, acceptance of of their culture, their background, whatever journey they're on, whatever you know. You you cannot try and 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 along mm. with the time of tolerance was also the time of trying to medicate every child into the middle rather than accepting that that, you know rather than accepting that this child although maybe is is learning in a linear fashion rather Mm -hmm. than horizontal uh, Mm -hmm. and and perhaps is disruptive and things Mm -hmm. is a creative thinking person with skills Mm -hmm. and possibilities Mm -hmm. and so instead of focusing on the things they don't have can't we Shift the focus to the gifts they do have because yes. everybody has them, yes. and and that thinking came about from an article I saw in the New York Times a number of years ago uh, called "The End of the Eccentric," and it was mm. it was uh, discussing the fact that that we through medication we could lose our great artists and thinkers right. because they'll be pushed into the middle and 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 sorted out, fixed, right. normalized, fixed, rather than just being allowed to be. <clears throat> Did and you read this, that book, The Giver? The I haven't. Okay, it's kind of about that. It's like a, a, a folkloric tale of, of this society where people are medicated into the middle. And, and, and when kids become uh, go into their teen years and start to get horny, uh, they're, they're, it's called stirrings. And they have to go to the doctor and get this medication that, that takes away their horniness. So it's very similar. And once Great. they reach a certain like taking age... taking them to the vet. Yeah, it's like taking them to the vet, exactly. And, and I think that's happening. And then also about the medication in the middle, it's like... Um, there's this there's this focus in medicine on on pills and procedures. Yet, like my father, who's a doctor, I asked him. He only got like less than an hour of uh, nutrition training in his 14 years of medical school. So it's like you know um, a lot of people who are are medicated. It's like like I've got a, a cousin who who has you know attention deficit disorder apparently, but like his his parents are constantly feeding him Cheetos and and like sugary things and like craft dinner and if you look at the thing on craft dinner well there's tartrazine in it and then you can google scholar that pubmed it up and it's like oh tartrazine associated with adhd so it's like we're put we're pumping all this shit into our kids and then they're getting all fucked up and then we're going to the pharmacy and putting them on these pills and so just like let's start with the basics like let's start with like a healthy diet yes well absolutely and and this this idea of add and adhd i mean it exists i've had i've had so many (laughs) <laughs> so many kids uh, uh, with that uh, designation. Uh, 
uh, let's just call it way of being uh -huh. uh, over the years, starting with uh, a colleague that was in the band with you who mm. went to your school, played played French horn, mm. and, uh, and and life was hard for him. School was hard for him, but he's brilliant. He did a music degree. He's a professional artist. Nice. You know, uh, and I'm sure, well, actually, I know for a fact now because a few years ago I finally went to a... Uh, an adult ADD specialist to mm. get to to um, uh, do testing mm. and find out where I sat because I was working on writing a book and I found that torturously difficult. Like to just focus on that one Absolutely. task for any long and, period. And, and that's always been the way. Mm. But I was suddenly, and I'd never worried about it before because my way of dealing with it was I have nine jobs every day. It's <laughs> no problem. If I had to be in an office nine to five, I'd be a train wreck and, right. a, and a disaster for everyone around me. Yeah. But I've, I worked with the skills I have mm. to create a life rather mm. than focusing on the challenges that I have. Right. And nobody can have everything and nobody can be good at everything. I yeah. also, in my uh, corporate life, I have a business partner who fills in all the pieces I don't have. Mm -hmm. I'm the big, obviously talkative personality. <laughs> uh, I, I'm the, the big picture, coming up with the ideas, putting everything together, getting all of the contacts, sponsorships, all of that. Mm -hmm. and, and she is the detail. Mm -hmm. She is the glue. Mm -hmm. Neither one of us could really do what the other does. Right. And neither one of us would have made a success, uh, this is our 20th year, would have made a success of this production company without the other. Right. And so that's something you need to learn to do in life, is to acknowledge where you're where your missing are. bits and, yeah. and, and be honest about it yeah. and partner with people who, 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 who have those skills and maybe lack the skills you have. Yeah. Not everybody doesn't have everything. Right. So when I was a kid... We didn't have ADD and ADHD. Mm. I was just designated RLB, rotten little bastard. I think <laughs> most of the time, I mean, nobody could quite understand why I would do things like crawl up into the ceiling panels and bring down the entire classroom ceiling. Why? Little, yeah, these things <laughs> happen. Yeah, yeah, well, it's one of the reasons you that never I. You told me that story. Of course not. It's one, <laughs> it's one of the reasons that I'm a very, very patient teacher is because uh, when the kids do things, how old were you when I, you did that? Oh, I was grade seven. Uh, <laughs> when, when the kids that I teach do things, I just sort of smile and go, not even close. Keep trying. You're nowhere near some of the stuff I pulled. Um, I mean, I was a bit of a handful. I didn't mean to be. I was just curious. Why is there a space between the roof and the ceiling and what's in there? What's in there? I That's needed to find out. <laughs> so, uh, to my teacher's horror. Um, so, you know, there, there were these moments. But... But luckily, at that time, there were no medications. Mm. And so I got to just be, and find my way through, and with a couple of extraordinary patient teachers who figured out that I needed to be kept busy mm -hmm. rather than be, because sending me to detention was not going to do yeah, anything. I needed anything. to be kept busy. Right. And, and so a few really extraordinary teachers who were patient and kind well, they helped me build a career. I mean, the mm -hmm. career I have, I, I owe to well, my high school band teacher mm. who just would shake his head and go, here, go do this. <laughs> and, and, Where did uh, you grow up? Uh, in Delta, North Delta. Nice. Uh, you know, a, a good and patient teacher can make such a difference in a child's life. Mm -hmm. and, and you have to accept as a teacher that children will do extraordinary, extraordinary 
terrifying things that that and you will take them aside and explain to them the error of their ways and they will assure you that this will never occur again and then a week later they'll do it again and you will explain it again and you mustn't ever take it personally or or think that it has anything to do with you because it right. doesn't it has to do with them and what they're trying to figure out and you talk with them again and you just patient and keep putting them back on the path and keep them, do your best to keep them safe. Mm -hmm. Um, Taking it personally or getting angry is not going to solve the problem. Yeah. You know, Uh, it's so, and by the way, you were talking about music and just a connection back to the Squamish nation in Mm -hmm. Squamish, in the Squamish language. And I think this is one of those fascinating things and it speaks an enormous amount uh, again, about the way of seeing the world and thinking mm-hmm. uh, for the Squamish people, the word for music and medicine is the same word. Wow. In the Squamish nation In the Squamish language. language. Wow. word for music and medicine is the same word. And I'm not sure if that's wow. the case for, for other First Peoples in Canada. Mm-hmm. I, I, I've only worked with our local First Nation. That's really uh, interesting. This, this closely uh, to learn Sound healing is getting really popular, um, you know, using the singing bowls and and I was in Bali and there was like this tattoo parlor and like you set an intention before you get the tattoo and then this woman comes in and she sings over you and yeah and and I mean a lot of people will think this is woo woo but I mean music has been used since the dawn of time as a way to heal people I mean people do it still when they have a breakup they they pull out their their favorite sad songs and uh, uh, you know we have different music for different purposes we have different there's songs that, that will immediately evoke memories of grade nine or something, yeah. you know, I mean, Nostalgic. it's yeah. just, uh, uh, how it is. And I just led it, a women's healing retreat in, in Bali and, and, uh, and I sang, uh, you are not alone by Michael Jackson and we were all crying and just processing trauma. And, um, yeah, it, definitely... it does that. It, it reaches things. That's why yeah. the, the, uh, there's a, an increasing move, uh, to, um, to expand music therapy. Nice. Because if music and medicine are the same word, well, music therapy, we don't need two words. Right. Right? Right. It just is. Just music. And uh, I have uh, a former uh, student of mine who's now uh, in music therapy doing his practicum, but it's fascinating. I, I, one of my favorite uh, things that happens as a teacher is when your students become your teacher. Mm. And I have been quizzing him about the work he's doing and, cool. the, and the people that he's interacting with. and how the thinking is about this and that, because yeah. I think it, it, it uh, could really help in music education as well. Totally. So it's, uh, it, it's, it's, a, it's one of the things that I love about what I do. I mean, I've been at it. This is my 26th year of, of working with my youth band program. Wow. Not only is it not the least bit boring, never has been, um, there's still so much more to do. If I if I lived another fifty years, I'd still only be scratching the surface of the mm. possibilities that exist in music education, and and I and music and arts education generally, although it keeps getting sidelined, it keeps getting pushed. I mean, it was so heartbreaking when the Vancouver School Board, as a as a money saver, decided to cut elementary school band and strings programs a couple of years ago. Wow. You know, they have no elementary programs. The high school programs are suffering because they're seeing. Uh, a slow degrading of the quality of the programs because there isn't that initial training. Mm-hmm. 
And also there's, there's a little bit less sign-up because that transition, because of course our school system uh, in the Lower Mainland is K-7 to elementary, mm. followed by the shift to high school in grade 8, which is a tectonic shift. Yeah. Right at the point of puberty, you upend the entire lives of these children mm -hmm. and move them to a new space where they often don't feel safe because they're now the, from going from being the biggest to the smallest, right. the most mature to the least mature, although some 16, 17-year-olds will see. <laughs> um, and, and is that the time for them to be making considered decisions like, do I want to join band or choir? They're in panic mode. And right. so now they might miss yeah. out. Yeah, that's so true. I think more kids will miss the opportunity to go into music because it wasn't an opportunity they were given in the safe zone of grade six, seven, when they're the, when big, they're the fish. big fish in the small pond. You know, I, I, there's no studies on that. It just seems it's, common sense, sense to me. Yeah. So cutting these programs is is, is backwards because uh, the solace that every human can find in music or any performing art, you know. You're just not going to get that from math class. I'm sorry. Yeah. The, the, the occasional child maybe, who maybe yeah. is an extraordinary mathematician might get that, but it isn't a common thread like music and art. Yeah. And drama. Well, and the funny thing is, I went to my my friend's uh, graduation at UBC from medical school, and like the whole graduation was like them having formed these little mini choir groups and playing their saxophones and like all these different doctors were all singing on stage and it, it took up more than 75% of the graduation was all these different doctors singing like Coldplay songs and stuff and I just thought wow like the correlation between music and uh, between having a musical background and becoming a medical professional is enormous uh, the number of doctors who have a background a fairly serious background in music is is, is huge Huge. I mean, uh, I can't. I've lost track now of the number of uh, young people that I've had in the youth band program who have pursued medical careers. I've lost, and, and the number that are currently still doing it. I wrote three references for medical school last year for mm. former uh, members, members of the ensemble. Cool. You know, I mean, there's a huge correlation. Yeah. I think here's one of the things. Uh, I would assume that if you're a medical professional, when you're on task, if you're in surgery, that the brain is firing at a miraculous <laughs> rate yeah. because you, you, the focus would have to be yeah. amazing. And uh, there's now studies through magnetic imaging that show that um, uh, uh, music is the only thing that fires up the entire human brain, mm. both sides, because it requires... The brain, both sides of the brain, both hemispheres to speak to each other and to interact. Hmm. Music fires the whole brain. No mm. other activity does that. That's interesting. I had a student come up to me and he, he said, I just want to let you know I play your album as I'm doing surgery on people's eyes. There we go. Yeah, I was like, oh, sweet. <laughs> Maybe it's helping your brain or something. I don't know, but so that was nice to hear. Well, it's, it's I mean, what you do musically, uh, uh, I mean, that latest recording of, uh, that you did of Wild Horses, I mean, that was... Uh, you have that ability, and you always have since you were a kid, since you were singing as a kid. You're, I don't want to say compelling. I think in the same way that uh, uh, 
Bob Baker and others that I know are, are natural, gifted teachers. You're such a, a natural musician. You know, like anything else, music can be learned. But for some people, it exists as a core mm -hmm. part of their being. Same way that uh, uh, really fine teachers are people who were born with the genetic defect called teacher. <laughs> you can go through, a, through an education program and learn the ropes and learn how to teach. Mm -hmm. But those aren't the teachers that usually really, really connect. Right. Uh, they may do a wonderful job, but, you know, compared to the people who live it. And I think mm -hmm. you have that teacher genetic as well, which is, is part of why your music r reaches out and reaches in to people. Mm. I'm sure that you can, can, when you see a performer, you could tell people who are performing versus just being and giving. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. You know, mm -hmm. and that makes yeah. a difference. So I, it Thank makes you. perfect sense to me that somebody would think that about your music. Thank perfect you. sense. Thank you so much. And it's why sometimes, as the other day when I texted you about a song, why sometimes I'll hear a song and I'll and I'll suddenly hear your voice in it and go, "Thank you." Wow, now that fits with Will's way of being and his way of giving. Uh, I shared it with a bunch of people who are going to come to the show. And they're like, oh yeah, please learn. Uh, I can I can see clearly now. Is a song uh, Doug suggested, and yeah, I love that song. Well, I love the I love the build of it, particularly you know as soon as I I, I heard it, a little clip of it on uh, on CBC in the car, mm. and I like, and that's when it came to me, and I and I thought of all the versions of it that I know in my head, mm -hmm. and they were all on playback. That's why I listed particular versions, mm -hmm. and and particularly that 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 Holly Cole and the Hot House Flowers version where there's a real build from inside. Out. And the song mm -hmm. lends itself to that. I like that. It's very but yoga. It, but it wasn't, uh, it wasn't done that way originally. It was done, uh, uh, Jimmy Cliff, who I, I believe is the composer of the song, he, he did it very uh, low-key. And it's a great version as well. Mm -hmm. But those two covers uh, really made me think of the way, because that's what you do with, with songs. You, you take them in, you somehow spin them into this uh, uh, generator that then... Pff, fires out and can mm. fill a room, not just fill a room because of your voice, but fill a room with a particular energy. Mm. Mm. So, uh, and that song lends itself to that. And the message of it is so wonderful. It's mm. a, it's a, it's a wonderful closer because it's, yeah, it can be so introspective and then just, you want to dance. Yeah. You yeah. know, and, and that's what your music makes people want to do, I think. So thank you so much. So, yeah, it's, um, uh, it is why music education is so important because of that kind of inward and outward reach. Yeah. You know, increasingly, and I don't want to get in trouble with anybody's union, but, <laughs> uh, but increasingly, I mean, education is changing. One of the situations that we have is that we are still pushing 21st century children through this mid, if not early, 20th century model. Mm. in this big uh, cinder block building, right? in these classes, in these desks facing forward. Of course, the original concept was the children will fear and respect the teacher, and if not there, they will definitely fear the principal. Right. And I totally uh, when, I, when I took on the youth band program 26 years ago, 
I made certain decisions. Uh, I decided that all of the musicians would have the option of calling me by my first name. I just put my name up and said, you may call me any of these things. Mm -hmm. Please don't call me mean things. <laughs> but you can use any of my names. Yeah. And, and most choose to call me by my first name because I see myself as a fellow traveler, a fellow musician here mm -hmm. to work together. And I didn't see any point in wearing a tie because I didn't feel... All right, because teachers all wore ties back then. Well, and, and, and I didn't think, why would somebody respect me just because I'm wearing a tie? doesn't make any sense. Because mm. uh, I, I know the teachers I respected. I didn't respect them because of their, their tie. I respected them because they were clearly knowledgeable and clearly understood us and clearly had a desire to really help us along. Mm -hmm. And they were good teachers. Mm -hmm. uh, ones who weren't, I kind of made their lives hell. Uh, but, uh, you know, so the concept is, is changing yeah. and certainly by, by the time I students are older, by the time they're 16, 17, 18, I think of them as colleagues that I look forward to seeing each week to create mm -hmm. this art. art. Now I am in charge. I'm the director and there are 90 this year, 96 teenagers in the room mm -hmm. in the symphonic band. And and one of the things that I tell them is, please don't make me treat you like children. I don't like children. <laughs> I like musicians. I wish to treat you as fellow musicians. Please don't make me treat you like children. And they giggle. Uh -huh. They get the point. Yeah. Uh, and and occasionally I have to adjust to help people get on the That's rails right, yeah. towards adulthood. Uh, <laughs> but you know, it's it's an interaction. And and I'm mm. older and wiser simply by being older. But I'm well aware that ultimately I'm in the room with these young people who are ultimately uh, brighter and more talented than I am, who will probably do extraordinary, far more extraordinary things than I'll ever do. And I just have the benefit of age and therefore experience. Mm -hmm. And so I'm ahead of them on the path. But boy. It's like I, what Yogi Bhajan said. Um, his goal was to make his students 10 times better yeah, than him. That's the job. Mm. That's the job. Mm. I want them to be everything that mm. they could possibly be and have wonderful lives and uh, and find their path. And 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 it, you know, and that doesn't mean going and becoming a medical doctor mm. necessarily. Mm. I have uh, a former band member who is a custodian, cool, uh, a, a maintenance worker in a, in the community center, and this was what he wanted from his life. Mm -hmm. He was not interested in pursuing a career. He was interested in pursuing a life. Mm -hmm. And his life did not, his, his goals in life did not mean a university education and a career path. It meant mm -hmm. having enough money to pursue mm -hmm. things, yeah. travel and life. I think that's as, as noble and equal a goal as becoming a medical professional or working for Tesla or Apple I or all the other things that I, I definitely agree. And, and a lot of people get into the medical career just because they want to make money. Not everybody, but I've, I, I do know some people who've just gone in it for the money. Some, so it yeah. does. So just because, you know, yeah, there's that one isn't more noble than the other. No, absolutely not. And, and I, and I teach that with my ensemble. If, if uh, someone makes a mess in the rehearsal hall, uh, they have to go to the maintenance room and ask for a broom or a mop or what have you because uh, these people are not here to clean up a mess you've made. Mm. They're here to maintain the building. Mm. 
Mm-hmm. And uh, and it's an interesting lesson in an affluent community. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. Kids are often a bit shocked when they have to go and do this. But mm-hmm. you know, you're not beneath cleaning yeah, up. Exactly. Yeah. You know, that. we we have to look after our own messes. Yeah. It's an important lesson, particularly with a a, a lot of kids who, you know. There's somebody who works like in their house who looks after yeah. their messes. Yeah, and they're not used to. So that's that's. Well, it's funny. Like if if we're um, disconnected from ourselves and we're not like in our navel point, like cleaning up can be a chore. But I found like when I'm like when I take really good care of myself, like I actually like to do the dishes and do the laundry yeah. and like do the daily tasks because I feel really it's almost like a form of yoga. But if I'm just like exactly. zoning, zoning out and like not eating well or like addicted to Netflix or something, then cleaning up becomes a chore but really if I like have good daily habits that keep me in my highest then I kind of like to be productive and it's not even about productivity <clears throat> I think I think uh, being humbled is an important exercise to return to mm. I had a housekeeper I, I, I do well I had a housekeeper for a while a number of years ago and when she decided to retire I had a rethink about it and I started to think okay so I'm so busy and so important that I don't have time or don't feel I should clean my own toilet. Hmm. And so I decided I would for a while. That was probably 15 years ago, and I mm-hmm. still clean my own toilet. <laughs> Fortunately, there's several of them in this house. <laughs> but, but it's a humbling experience. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, it's imp- I think it's important. It's not just the, the routine and the ritual of doing your housework, it's mm-hmm. that uh, why would I be too important to do that? Right. You know, uh, right. What, what, what am I thinking about myself? Yeah. You know, it's so That's having good. experiences that humble you, and some people like really that. resent it. And it's interesting if you come to that and you find that you resent having to do it, then you need to think about why. Mm. Why, why do you feel you're above this mm-hmm. task that has to be done? Why do you feel that? Paying somebody else who you, I guess, think is below you, you must. If you think mm. you're above this task, if you're paying somebody, you must think you're better than them. Mm. And what kind of thinking is that? Right. What does that lead to? Nothing yeah. good. Yeah, true that. So True that. You know. I mean, some people are really good. Like, I, I have hired a, a maid at times to help me clean in my apartment, and, like, she's amazing. Like... When I walk back in, it feels like I'm in a hotel room. Like, yeah, the way yeah. that she, I don't know, she puts some sort of magic into her. Like she's super good at it. Well, so, I will never. So maybe able... once a year, I, I kind of like treat myself because then I like, it just feels amazing. But... It's good if you've got to do a whole cleanup and a mm-hmm. reset. Mm-hmm. It's good to have that help from a professional who knows how to do it. I will never make a bed as neatly as somebody who knows how to do it mm-hmm. because they've been, they've been taught professionally. I've never been taught, taught how to do it. Right. It's just, you know, okay, I think I'll yeah. tuck this here and there. And, but your you know. place like looks awesome. So you don't have like a, a no. maid? Wow, you do it yourself. No. That's awesome. It's, uh, uh, but, you know, a professional could do it better. Mm-hmm. <laughs> For sure. Because <laughs> there are things I miss, I'm sure. Right. You know? but, uh, but it's good. It, but it, it's like, not my professional. Good. I haven't been trained mm-hmm. to do it. I haven't mm-hmm. been trained in, in what to look for and, and what to... Yeah, you know, the whatever little things. Yeah. What's that Marie Kondo? There's some book, the Marie Kondo. Method. Oh well, that's huge right now. Yeah, her book I'm and her Netflix that. thing. Yeah, that's. Uh, I haven't watched that yet because I wor- worry it will lead to a new moment of uh, of uh, obsession. <laughs> and uh, you know, I'll be taking a toothbrush to the window frames or something. I'm, 
a little concerned, although it's yeah. mostly about decluttering, which, uh -huh. you know, I occasionally take great stabs at. The, the uh -huh. blazes that are horrifying are, are my office here and my, and my uh -huh. office uh, elsewhere, and I, and I really work hard to try and keep those together. But, mm -hmm. the, but again, when I was a kid, we were all told there'd be a paperless office. <laughs> I'd love to have that, Not yet. but oh my God, the amount of paper, the amount of yeah. paper and all the stuff you have to keep for the accountant and everything else. And I find mm -hmm. keeping that stuff in order, a absolute exercise in torture. Yeah. It's, you know, it's just not my thing. Not my thing. I have a great accountant now. She's uh, she specializes in actors and, and singers and yoga right. teachers. And like, I, I didn't realize certain things you can write off. Like if I have a meal between oh, yeah. classes out, you know, I could write off half of that. Like yeah. if I get a smoothie and just like little things I didn't realize, so it's, it's been really helpful. Yeah, having an accountant who's, if you're an artist, having an accountant who's in the arts or if you're self-employed is really crucial. Super helpful. Because uh, uh, I was owing the government like thousands before, and now that I know how to actually do it correctly as an artist, uh, oftentimes the government pays me. Yeah, I, it gives me back I'd love money, to have that know? happen again. Yeah. <laughs> it's been a while. But yeah. the, um, uh, I, have, I have a wonderful accountant who I met years ago when he was with Lionsgate Studios, and I was a musical, uh -huh. musical consultant. And he left there and just moved to this little boutique practice downtown where he kept just the clients that he liked. Mm -hmm. Thank God I made the cut. Yay. And mm -hmm. I've been with him for years, and he specializes in people in the arts. But nice. he's now in his 70s mm -hmm. and, and is retiring, and so I was in a bit of a panic finding somebody new, but I have. Uh, okay. and, it, and it really is crucial. It's super crucial, <laughs> so, yeah. Because otherwise, you yeah. know, you will. And I keep on my receipts, and usually at the end of every day I'll, I'll like, she gave me this sort of Excel document and then I just put in what I purchased, what it was for, the category, if I can write it off. Like even if I like get my haircut, uh, I can write that off as hairdresser costs. Yeah, particularly if it's for performance. I mean, mm -hmm. I can write off anything I wear on stage, any, mm -hmm. anything that I'm conducting in or guest lecturing in. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. You know, if I'm at the airport waiting for a flight and I buy a banana yeah. because, you know, I'm trapped there. Yeah, and if, like you're, if, it's, um, if you're out of town on a work job, then you can write off like 100% of the meal right. that you have. So like these little things I didn't realize. Like I've got a show coming up uh, on the 23rd uh, at, um, at, the, uh, at the college, and so like I'm going to get a 20th, haircut. 21st or 23rd? Well, they oh, uh, 26th now. They changed it because oh, of a, a yeah, schedule. Oh, yeah, I can be there so then. Come, That's sweet. right. Yeah, the 26th, yeah, I won't be yeah. away. Yeah, because they, they thought initially that I wanted to do it on March 21st. Uh -huh, yeah. And I, I reified several times with them that I wanted it February 21st, but they just missed miscommunication. I have to so. remember, arts centers are often run by <laughs> artists. Art so you've got to be really clear. <laughs> right, really clear. It's super clear. That's a yeah. great space to perform in. It's Actually, so and, the, and it's resonant. Your voice is going to sound incredible in Thank there. Thank you. I'm just going to, looks like there's a little sign that just came up. Yeah, your battery is low. That's weird because I have it, it should be plugged into the wall. Let me just double check. Oh, perhaps that plug isn't functioning. I may not. Okay, we're Is it showing as working? Okay. Awesome. So where is your next destination? You're going to Williams Lake next? So this Friday I go to Williams Lake to work with a community band there. I've worked with all the school bands there. Sweet. And then following that, I'm in Las Vegas directing the Desert Wind Symphony in a concert of all Canadian music. Nice. Oh, hi, Cooper. <laughs> and, uh, then, um, and then Hawaii, Oahu to uh, do... Uh, uh, adjudicate a music festival for middle school bands and visit nice. all their schools and work with them. That's awesome. I love middle school age. They're such a disaster and so much fun. They're just because uh -huh. they're, they're just like, trying, ah, to trying to figure out how to how to how to work these giant feet and these uh -huh. strange limbs. Um, yeah, no, it's, so, so that'll be fun. And, 
<laughs> and then uh, my own festivals are on. And, and nice. March 2nd, we do the world premiere of the second movement of our work with the Squamish Nation. Nice. After, the, the, uh, after we finished the Gathering of Eagles last year, which was intended to be a one-off, uh, and it wasn't even to do with the success of the piece and everything. Hi, Cooper, I see you. Um, <laughs> it was uh, after we finished the performance, uh, and it was an extraordinary night. Uh, my favorite line came from Chief Ian Campbell in his introductions, who said, Reconciliation's a wonderful idea, and we might even get there one day, but this is reconciliation. Oh, that's good. I like this better. Yeah. It was brilliant. But one of the elders came up to me afterwards and she hung onto my arm and told me her age and said, you know, I never imagined in my lifetime that all of these young people with so many different faces from different places would play my song. Mm. Please do more. Mm. It was immediately understood the connection that had been mm. made and the education that had happened. Yeah. And, uh, and so I couldn't say no to her. Yeah. I wasn't about to say no. I just said, okay. Yeah. And then a couple of days later, letting everybody calm down for a couple of days. In the meantime, my head's going like mad. <laughs> but I thought, you know, I don't want to overwhelm people. And yeah. I sometimes do. And so then I called and said, so I have an idea. Let's turn this into a three-movement work called the Squamish Symphony. Mm. And let's do two more movements, one each year, next year, and the following year. Nice. So it's now a three-year project. This year they granted us the legend of the wolf, cool. and we are uh, doing the world premiere of Wolf Song. Um, oh, really, Cooper, just get up on the couch. Sure. <laughs> and uh, we're doing the world premiere of Wolf Song on March 2nd, where nice. we'll also perform Gathering of Eagles again and some other works that reflect Squamish tradition. Again, it'll be a shared performance with the Eagle Song drummers and dancers as we did last year, where we alternated pieces and nice. and worked them seamlessly together and amazing where it's a real yeah coming together so that's cultures. that's that's what i'm most excited about that's awesome uh, and cool. next year we don't know what the third movement will be yet we don't mm -hmm. we don't know and we're hoping next year to do the premiere of the full squamish symphony in a in a big festival type event that's still percolating that will take place perhaps on the the um, uh, powwow grounds of the Squamish Nation, perhaps in a Where's that? in a summer festival. It's just down off Cap Road, right near the oh, Chief right. Joe Matthias Center. Nice. So March second, we're at the Chief Joe Matthias Center, which is at the foot of Capilano Road. Can't miss it. Nice. Absolutely yeah, magnificent we did some building. Big band concerts. That's there. right. Yeah. Same bridge over Troubled Water there. That's yeah, right. You did. Yeah, yes. Fun. And it still looks like the day it was built. It is so impeccably maintained. Nice. Holy cow! Wow. My housekeeping is not as good <laughs> as the, that. That the place looks like the day it was built. That's amazing. And it's and is beautiful. This, I'm ignorant. Is the Squamish Nation from from here, like the land that we are on, all the way up to like Squamish? Well, there's or? there's there's overlap because right. there's there's different nations who overlap mm -hmm. and intersect, but certainly. Uh, all the North Shore waterfront. I mean, their traditional territories included what we call Stanley Park and, mm -hmm. and all over the place because... The Squamish Nation was Stanley Park as well. Uh, parts of it, but also shared with other Burrard and other nations. Right. There are all these, these overlaps because yeah. people moved and intersected exactly. and interacted. Yeah. And so their traditional territory is quite expansive because they didn't just stay in one place, one place. At the, at, on the waterfront in North Vancouver. Right. Uh, and, of course, Squamish, obviously, and all the way up to Whistler. Mm. Um, and uh, so it's and, and Grouse Mountain and everywhere. Everywhere. Yeah. So uh, it's uh, I don't know what the what the traditional boundaries are. I have I have seen a, a map of that last year, but I 
I couldn't define it for you. It's mm. quite expansive. Cool. Um, and there's also a, a big uh, Hawaiian component of the Squamish Nation. Oh, tell me about that. Well, they even have a full hula troupe at the Squamish Nation. Hawaii, Hawaiian is in like Hawaii. Hawaii. How did that happen? That happened because there was a lot of intermarriage a uh, hundred years between Hawaiians and, and Squamish. And they would come over on boats? Well, yeah, because a hundred years ago, a lot of Hawaiian people would take jobs on commercial ships uh, 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 bringing uh, goods across. Um, and when they'd come, they weren't allowed to stay where the Europeans settled. They went um, and stayed at the Squamish Nation. And, you know, things happened. people got together and people fell in love and people got married. And so oh. there's a, a huge cross-cultural component with, uh, with Hawaii. Oh, um, I didn't know that. Yeah. That's really interesting. Yeah, and there actually is. Lea Loe Baker leads a, a hula troupe. Wow. The Squamish Nation. Huh. Yeah, no, it's a very cool. extraordinary history, the people of the Squamish. It's uh, amazing. Amazing. And again, this wow. is what I mean. Yeah. You don't know that. We and you went to school, school, what, five minutes from the, minutes where the from Squamish the, Nation yeah. is now? Well, the sad thing is, like, I work at Hollyburn Club, <clears throat> which is in the British properties. And in the British property, you know, rule book of, like, who's allowed to live in the British properties, up until oh. 2001, it said no First Nations people allowed. Oh, yeah. To live in the British properties. So it's just like, it's so embedded in our culture. And yeah, we didn't learn anything at like West Van High about First Nations culture other than like, oh, there were these things called residential schools and, you know, bad things happened. But yeah. like, it was like maybe like, you know, f less than 3% of the whole curriculum of what we learned at West Van High had anything to do with First Nations. So and there were no First Nations people, there's no First Nations people even at West Van High. Well, there, there now are now there cultural liaisons who come into the schools to work. Yeah, okay, yeah. but in terms Bob, of like Bob Baker is one of them. There's no stu students, or at least when Not I was right there. now. But but I've had uh, kids from Squamish Nation who in the in the youth band who've been at West Van. Oh, nice. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Yeah. And at various schools across the North Shore. So. So it's happening. It's yeah. it's, it's happening. Just it was slow. funny last year because there was a um, a move to change a move that I was really pushing for to change Community Day in West Vancouver to mm. something that actually looked like the community instead of looking like. Uh, 1952, uh, and um, uh, and so we're changing it to a multicultural festival. My, I, cool. I can't remember what the theme will be called. What I was pushing for at the time was a change from Community Day to an event called uh, One Community Mini Cultures. Oh, that's cool. And uh, and there was a lot of pushback. And w uh, one of the members of the Squamish Nation, another cultural advisor, Wes, he was at one of the meetings and he listened for a while, and then he asked to speak, and, and he was very kind, but very clear, and, and he said, I'm paraphrasing, but he said, you know, I'm old enough to remember when West Vancouver was all white, except for my people, mm. and I guess that's, that the change that has come is hard for you, but we put the welcome statue out on the point at Ambleside mm. to welcome everyone mm. from all places, mm -hmm. Mm. so we feel they're welcome. Amen. Boy, did that change the discussion. Yeah. <laughs> Some oh, red bet. faces in the room who were going, yeah. oh, why do these people have to come? Why do they have to bring their strange food? You know, just, uh, it's, uh, it's a significant uh, change. This community is, is changing. Uh, 26 years ago when I started with the um, youth band, probably 75% of the kids in the organization were born, not just in Canada, but born in Lionsgate Hospital. Mm. Now... We did a concert two years ago. I did a concert called Around the World in 80 Minutes, mm, where I, I selected music from uh, uh, as much as I could from 
every place where someone in the ensemble was born. Cool. Not just where their ancestors were from, but where they were born. So we were doing uh, Armenian dances. Uh, uh, I mean, God, I could list all the pieces. But basically, we have kids who were born in Armenia, Poland, Israel, England, uh, Iran, Argentina, Cuba, uh, um, Ven- not Venezuela, Argentina, uh, Brazil, nice. uh, uh, the U.S., um, Taiwan, Korea, Hong Kong, mainland wow. China. They're, they're, they're everywhere. I would say oh. now 70% of the ensemble was born somewhere else. Wow. You know, and the names, Multiple some extraordinary stuff. names. Just, uh, uh-huh. you know, I've learned so much. And yeah. in that concert, I had uh, uh, kids from that culture introduce the piece and teach the audience. The audience had to learn to say hello in every one of these languages. Nice. Which was really fun. That's really, really cool. fun. So, That's awesome. So it was an interesting, and it was an excellent opportunity to, to teach the families that, that, you know, we're all ultimately from somewhere else if we're mm-hmm. here. Mm-hmm. Even if, I mean, I wasn't born here. You were born here, but, but you know, mm-hmm. your ancestors weren't. No. So, do you think that you being queer, do you identify as queer? Gay? I, I, I'm old-fashioned, like, like the gay, gay word. You yeah. know? Uh, <laughs> queer still sounds, uh, that was such a, a slur that's when why, I was growing up that I, yes. I find it hard to adopt. To I get adopt. it because I have kids in the band who identify with that, mm-hmm. and I accept it. I no longer bristle when I hear it. I certainly mm-hmm. used to a few years ago when mm-hmm. it was first coming around, and it was well, the women's, that's what we were called. Like, it was the I women's was community who first adopted it mm-hmm. and, and threw it back in people's faces yeah. really Again, well. <laughs> uh, well, no, it was great. Yeah. It needed to be done, yeah. but, but it, was, it was hard to hear was hard to hear mm. and uh and so now i hear it but i don't like to be called it because it mm-hmm. just was uh, i i spent too many years where if if you were called that it was about as nasty a thing as you could say mm-hmm. so do you feel that because you are gay that you can empathize and relate and like that's how one of the reasons why you have so much compassion for like multiculturalism and first nations um well, when you, know, you grow honoring. up yeah when you grow up being other mm-hmm. you know no matter what that other is uh, uh, you got to be a, a little thick not to embrace all the other others. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I, it is it has changed so much. I mean, I have a, a student now who is trans, and it doesn't even it doesn't even cause a blink amongst their colleagues. Mm. Of, of the same age in the ensemble. Not even a blink. It's just... Eh. Just whatever. Eh. Yeah. You know, yeah. it's it's such an absolute shift. Now, I yeah. appreciate that this is happening in an educated community without right. a, without a uh, you know, I mean, the most fundamentalist church in this community is the maybe the Anglicans <laughs> uh, because they're a little bit further to the right than the United right. Church. Whereas that's it, as far we as it goes. Utah, we don't have yeah. There's we don't still have high suicide churches. rates for like trans yeah. and gay kids. It's it's v- very hard. I was teaching in Alabama. I was directing uh, the Welcome to the gayest place in the world. That's right. Alabama. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was directing the Southeastern United States High School Honor Band. It was 120 finest young musicians from the four cousin marrying states, and. Uh, <laughs> And there was uh, a boy in the front row, fine musician, uh, and he had on a rainbow bracelet. This is back when the rubber bracelets, what I always yeah. called the disease of the month club bracelets, <laughs> bracelets <laughs> yeah, were the big thing. And he had a rainbow one. Uh-huh. 
and and I noticed this and and uh, and carried on. Not my place to interfere or comment. Mm-hmm. And we carried on with rehearsals and everything. And a couple days in, um, on a break, he was sitting playing through his music, and and he asked me a question about the music because I was still standing near the podium, and I answered that and, and I asked I said so how are you enjoying it so far do you think it's going well do you think that I'm mm-hmm. doing a, a good job for you and your colleagues and he said oh yeah we're having so much fun and you, mm-hmm. you you're moving us so fast it's it's great and uh, and uh, and then he asked me what's it what's it like being in Canada and I told him a few things about Canada and and, uh, and then I commented I said because uh, we were having a human interaction not mm-hmm. uh uh you will learn this music interaction. I said, by the way, I really like your bracelet. And I could see him muster up every bit of courage he had. And he said, it's a gay pride bracelet. Aww. And I said, oh, I know, I know. And I, and I really respect you wearing it. It must be difficult at times. Because I knew the town he was from, a very small town, mm. who would make Hope, British Columbia, look cosmopolitan <laughs> and, and worldly. And, uh, and uh, he said... Oh, you know what it is? I said, I said, oh, yeah. He goes, how do you know? And I said, well, I'm gay. And he stopped and he just looked at me and he said, you are. But, but everyone here respects you so much. My teacher reveres you. And, and everyone here, you know, I, I, and I, he was just dumbfounded. And I said, do you think that I should be treated with less respect because I'm gay? Do you think you should be treated with less respect because you're gay? Well, no, but, but, but I said, but you have been, haven't you? Mm. And, and he said, um, yes. And I said, don't allow it. Mm. You're a good person with extraordinary talents and abilities. Mm-hmm. You're a fine individual. This is a small part of who you are. Mm-hmm. Do not allow people to disrespect you. Mm-hmm. I said, I've had people try. 1980s especially, mm. and I pushed back hard. Mm-hmm. You may have to push back a little bit, mm-hmm. but you deserve to be respected. Mm-hmm. And the, the look in his eyes, the wheels were just going. Oh, yeah, there was no way to process yeah. this. <laughs> and I, I felt for him because, yeah. you know, as they say, this is a affluent, educated community. Mm-hmm. That's not where he was from. Yeah. And uh, so it's even in places like Mission, it wouldn't be as as um, no as uh, soon as accepting. It's, well, it's it's. I have a friend from Mission. So religion is, is is religion. Religion has a place, but when religion, no matter what religion it is, takes on a fundamentalist bent, it's never good. Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter what religion is. As soon as it becomes fundamentalist, uh, then the judgment comes. Right. Suddenly, I'm good. You're bad. All of I these that, yeah. other humans decide that they're better than, mm-hmm. or more godly, or more elevated than their fellow humans born with the same problems. Right. And you know, it's just uh, it's obscene. And yeah. so I'm I'm not very. I had to back when. Uh, I was working with that music ed class last summer, and you may remember I mentioned that I told them they have to check their biases at the door, mm-hmm. be accepting, not tolerant, accepting. Mm-hmm. And this student who I tried out my, my what if I said, I will tolerate you, mm-hmm. line on, she was on it. She was, she's going to be an amazing teacher. She was so on it. And she said, I think this is a fair question, and you have the right to tell me it's not. 
But as you brought it up, what are your biases? What do you have to check at the door? Mm. And I thought about it. I caught me off guard, and I said, uh, it's a fair question. Mm. I said, I have a tremendous bias against fundamentalism, fundamentalist Christians in particular, because that's what we experience here or North America more than other fundamentalist cultures mm-hmm. or fundamentalist religions. And I don't like it. It's a bias. And yet I do have some very Christian kids that I teach mm-hmm. and I treat them like everyone else. I have to just put it out of my mind mm-hmm. that, and I cannot think for a moment that there is anything different or less about them because of their particular right way of thinking it's like um it's learning, hard yeah. it's like you're good you're you're good at like maybe part of your life path has been learning to um return on love with love with fierce gentleness like like you had to do in the 80s when you there was that you had to push back when you were yeah. being disrespected for being gay and, and then you've grown that muscle and then you've held that frequency for me and other people to be able to follow suit. So thank you for yeah. that. Oh, you're welcome. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> just one of those, this is not something I think about particularly as, a, in fact, I hadn't really thought about it in that, in that, that specificity until I was asked that question mm-hmm. by that person who's going to be such a wise teacher, just for the fact that yeah. she asked that question. It, uh, yeah, it makes hard. me want to go to her class and watch. Yeah. Cause it's almost like the fundamentalist Christians, they're like the weight, it's like weightlifting like being able to return that kind of unlove with love, yeah. you know, and, and, um, yeah, so it, it, it's a tall order sometimes, but you know, nothing's personal. It's like the, that book, the four agreements don't take anything personally. Yeah. Easier said than done sometimes, but I, I love yes, that book. <laughs> yeah. But it's, but it's important because you can, you can, it can eat you up. Yeah. It can eat up your psyche. You get caught up in, yeah. in, uh, I, I did that when I was younger, caught up in, how do I make this person like me? Yeah, I've you know, gotten caught on that many times. Uh, you yeah. know, it's, it's, you just be. And they like you or they don't. And, right. And you can't change it. You could, yeah. you could spin your wheels and spend endless amounts of energy mm-hmm. trying to please all the people all the time. Yeah. And, and I've had to, and there's, there's years ago thing. I had to let that go because I work yeah. with thousands of people every year. Yeah. And there's always going to be some who don't like my way of thinking or don't like my way of doing things. And I've had to accept that that's okay. That's their right. That's their right. It has, it's, it's, it's it's not not my place to contradict it. In sociology, there's the one third rule. (laughs) Have you heard of that in sociology? So if you're really living at your edge and being yourself and contributing to society, one third of people will love you, love it, whatever you're doing. One third of people will be neutral and one third of people will hate it. Yeah. And, and if you don't have that one-third rule happening in your life, you're probably not really being yourself. Right. At least that's what Becky Ross told us at UBC in Sociology of Sexualities. <laughs> I can see that when, it, when I, even when I go and guest lecture, get, being a guest in a situation can be really telling because you're an unknown. Right. Suddenly, it's me in a room with who knows how many people? I mean, I <laughs> directed a 1,500-piece band in Aloha Stadium in Hawaii once. So me, 1,500 people, yeah. and I have to get them all to listen and think together and pursue this music together. <laughs> and, uh, but even if it's 30 people or 15 people, you're not going to reach everybody. Right. Not everybody is going to buy what you're selling. Right. And, and I can see that even in 
last summer's lecture, there were people sitting at the back, texting on their phones, right. missing out entirely on my discussion about this First Nations collaboration. Mm-hmm. It is what it is. It is what it is. I could, I could call them out on it. Uh, and I thought about it as I was there. I thought, you know what, I had to remember these are adults. These are not school-age kids that you need to help train to be respectful. These are adults in their 20s who are, they've adopted this as okay. Yeah. Not my place to chew them out and tell them to put their phones away. I really wanted to. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) It's hard to know sometimes, like, what the best thing to do in that situation is. Yeah, I just decided to to leave it. But at the very end, I did say, I have great hope. For all of you who are engaged in this conversation, who are engaged in what I presented, and I must be honest, admit that I have less hope and some concern about those of you who spent most of the time on your phone, Hmm. because you'll soon be in a classroom. And if that's your level of engagement as a teacher, that worries me. And I'll just leave it there. So I got my little bit in. That was was my little bit at the end, rather than you know, 15 yeah. minutes in saying, you know, could we put our phones away? Yeah. <laughs> you know, uh, I, I, I felt that that was honest at the end and fair. Yeah. Uh, it was a hard judgment to make. Yeah. Sometimes those are. You know, so it's, uh, yeah. And those people probably think I'm an asshole. That's okay. But that's okay. I can't fix that. Yeah. But maybe I give them something to think about. Yoga, yoga is the practice of feeling equanimous um, regardless of externals. And, and I think that's what's really drawn me to yoga. It's like, yeah, like not taking anything personally. And if somebody praises you and really gets what you're doing and loves it, great. But that shouldn't overinflate the psyche. Uh, and then if somebody criticizes you, if they're on their phone, that shouldn't, uh, that shouldn't make you feel any less than. So it's that sort of intention of just staying in center, neutral mind. Right. I, I just really love that. And, and I think that's why I, I do yoga is because I, I aim to practice that muscle. And I feel like you don't even really do yoga, but you can do that pretty well. I do yoga through music. Nice. Yeah. You're, <laughs> well, yeah. And that's a whole branch of yoga is the nod, the yoga of sound. So I feel like you kind of, you do that in your own way. And it's, it is just as you, as you describe that in that situation, uh, with that class, uh, it wasn't at all, I haven't thought about it, but as you mentioned it, it wasn't at all that I was, took it as a personal affront that they were on their phones, mm-hmm. didn't bother didn't me, yeah. it was that they were going to miss this. Right. They were going to miss what has happened here. Mm-hmm. I was just, I was just concerned. Yeah. I didn't take it personally. Yeah. Uh, and I think that was, that is because of the way I've trained myself to always remember that when somebody I'm teaching does something incomprehensibly, uh, it's not about me. You just remember you climbed up about into the me. rafters and the ceiling exactly. fell down. <laughs> exactly, because I was curious. It's, uh, it's, yeah. it's not about me. Uh-huh. It's where they're at. It's just where they're and at. And I just have to gently help maybe guide them to another way of thinking. Because I feel they're missing out, but that it's image not is about me. so cute, like little mini Doug like climbing up into the ceiling and then the whole thing falling down. How well it was me and a friend. It wasn't just okay. me. So how old were you? you? Know, great. So I think eleven going on twelve. Eleven. I was eleven. That's so cute. I remember. It was it was I think it might have been spring of grade six. 
Nice. It was because the, the, the spring hormones, spring is, teaching in the spring is a whole different thing than <laughs> teaching in the nice cold winter. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Spring comes, oh my goodness, the energy level goes up. Oh, yeah. And uh, if you know how to channel it, boy, oh boy, it just means mm. that uh, you could accomplish more. But if you don't, mm. they just, they just like go. Craziness, yeah. So, yeah. and boy, did I do that. So, yeah, we won't get into things I did in high school. So, <laughs> just glad they let me graduate. Awesome. You know, so. well, well, on that note, thank you so much for being on the show. Oh, it was a and, pleasure. It's always good to see you. Yeah, always. you as well. And is there anything else that you want to talk about or, or, um, or touch on? If you're in a position to, people who are hearing this, fight for the importance of arts education. Hmm. Reading, writing, and arithmetic, important, very important. But the fact is, this is where I can get in trouble with somebody's union. The <laughs> fact is that increasingly a motivated student can do a lot of those core subjects online. Right. You cannot do band, choir, soccer, or woodwork online. Right. Those t- woodwork is a tangible. It's a hands-on training. It's, it's mm-hmm. important that... People learn to use their hands. Uh, uh, Soccer is very important for a lot of kids to Mm -hmm. to learn teammanship and and just physical activity and exercise. Mm -hmm. And music and art is expression. And Mm -hmm. because of technology, kids are finding it more and more difficult to express themselves and to communicate. And the arts teaches expression, Mm -hmm. communication, dealing with emotion. Mm. It's, uh, It's crucial. I, I think it is the core subject, mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. arts. Mm-hmm. So if you're in a position to ensure that more things aren't taken away as they were in the city of Vancouver, mm. uh, do it. Awesome. That's really good. Very good. Thank you so much for you're your welcome. time. And where can people find you online? Are, do oh. you have any uh, website or anything? That no, you I share? don't have a website of my own. No. Uh, I don't, I don't need that. But uh, they can look up the West, West Vancouver Youth Band, wvyb.ca, .ca, okay. or con, 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 conbriofestivals.ca. What's that? Uh, Conbrio Festivals is my production company that puts on oh, educational cool. festivals. Nice. Oh, nice. Um, oh, and I, I wanted to ask you quickly, are you still doing that master's in music education? Uh, you know, the concepts are rolling along. Nice. I find it... I still find it difficult to, mm. to do these things, but I'm constantly, I'm still educating myself. Mm-hmm. Whether I'll formalize it with, with a degree, well, that will come. Mm-hmm. And, but I'm constantly seeking out teachers who are wiser and more experienced than I. Nice. Dr. Paula Kreider in Texas, Dr. Dale Lonis in New York, and these extraordinary people that, that I admire and that I see communicate and work at a mm. level that I hope to achieve one that's day, a, maybe. That's awesome. Always have to find the people who are... Yeah, you're a lifelong learner. Yeah, you know, well, you have to be, otherwise you stagnate. True that. That'd be boring. Yeah, you want to keep growing and yeah. moving forward and expanding. There are always new ideas, new possibilities. Awesome. Always. Thank you. Thank you. Yay. Yeah. Awesome. Thanks for tuning in, guys. Have a beautiful day. Say goodbye, Cooper. <laughs> Thank you so much for tuning into the Urban Yogi Podcast, episode 42, with Mr. Doug McCauley. What an amazing man. 
I hope that you guys enjoyed this interview. And if you do like the podcast, feel free to head over to iTunes. It would really help us if you rate and subscribe to The Urban Yogi. It's available on iTunes. And for those of you who don't have iTunes, SoundCloud and YouTube for select behind-the-scenes recordings. Satnam, everybody. Have a beautiful week. Bye. This lady After we die